We are going to be doing something just a little bit different today. We're going to look at the same, the same story in the Word of God in um, two different passages. There's actually covered in three, but two of them give us a pretty good amount of detail, and there's some things that are on one and, and not necessarily on the, on the other. So we're going to bounce around a little bit and take a, take a look at those. If you're up on Facebook this morning, we put this question for you. Do you know that Satan's kingdom can step over the line? Just as we've been talking about borders for us, do you know that the kingdom of Satan has borders? Boundaries. And that sometimes they step over them. What happens when the kingdom of Satan, kingdom of darkness, what happens when they step over the line? So we're going to take a look in the Word of God today about that. But on the, as we get started here, I want you to picture something. Picture something in your house out on your yard. Maybe you have a shed out there in the yard or an area of property. What would happen if your neighbor all of a sudden took up residence in your shed and started putting his stuff there? Anybody be bothered by that? I mean, if they didn't ask you, they didn't check with it, you just walk out there and all of a sudden there's their tractor. <laughs> Sitting in there. Now, some of you might get excited and say, oh, wow, new tractor. <laughs> but if they began to store things in your shed, you might get a little upset. Yeah. Now, I know some people that they're, they had their, their yards, if you crossed over onto their yard, they'd get upset. Yeah. We were helping one lady out with some trash and uh, if her, tr- she was putting out a whole lot of trash and we were carrying a whole lot of stuff out to the curb. And if a little bit of it went over into the neighbor's yard, he would get upset. Because we know where our borders are. Yes. And, and I don't want you coming over to my border. This is my yard. <laughs> it don't matter if you're not hurting anything. We just don't, we don't like it. Yes. But when the kingdom of Satan comes, I've noticed that some Christians just let them waltz into their life and do whatever they want. And we need to get a little bit more upset when darkness comes near us. So we're going to take a look at some of this today. What happens when Satan's kingdom steps over the line? Last week we were looking at good and evil. We saw Jesus came in and he cleansed out the temple. And the big takeaway we saw from that is do not call good evil. And do not call evil good. If it is evil, it is evil. But there are some Christians who cannot recognize. We're not talking about the world. The world we understand they don't recognize it. But there are some Christians out there. They do not recognize evil when they see it. And they start proclaiming the praises of people that are of evil. Don't be doing that. We told you before in some of this. There are, there are some people in government. God is for them. And if He's for them, He's for them. And if He's not for them, He's against them. And you, I don't, I don't ever want to be caught praising the ones that God's against or being against the ones that God's for. So it's my job to figure out which ones are which. But here we're going to go over to Luke chapter 8 today. I, you all know this story. This is not an unknown story, but we're going to spend some time with it. We don't often spend as much time with this story as we're going to today. Luke chapter 8 verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he, to- he, had- he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. 
Now, they had just gotten done being on the boat. You remember the story? Jesus is on the boat. He's asleep. And the disciples had to come down and wake him up because the, sh- the ship was going down. And so he gets up in the bow and he uh, says, uh, you know, speaks to the wind. And the wind stops. And the waves cease. And he turns to them and says, hey, where's your faith? What's going on here? You're waking me up. I needed some sleep. <laughs> he wasn't too happy with them. Of course, when they woke him up, remember their words? Master, don't you care that we're perishing? That's inspiration from Satan. God will never inspire you with words that he does not care. They spoke inspiration of Satan. Well, that's mixing up the good and evil. See, the disciples did this an awful lot of times. If the disciples were capable of it with Jesus as their pastor, how much more you? <laughs> how much more me? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. We can mix up good and evil and not know it. We don't know it. We're unsure. When my wife and I first got married, there were some things we did differently. And one of the things is is the salt and pepper shakers. Now, when I grew up, the salt shaker has more holes. And the pepper one has less. Well, that's not what she grew up with. She grew up with the pepper shaker having more holes and the salt having less. Now, I understood the reasoning for it. I just didn't agree with it. <laughs> but the first time I grabbed the salt shaker and it had pepper. Well, see, I never, never grabbed the salt, the pepper shaker. I don't grab the pepper shaker. That pepper shaker will sit on my table for years and never have a bit of it come out. But that salt shaker, we use that all the time. <laughs> so the first time I grabbed the salt shaker and pepper's coming out, what in the world <laughs> is this? You see, I couldn't see. I, I didn't know what to expect out of there. I was expecting one thing and something else came out. But we can mix up salt and pepper real easy. You can mix up good and evil. It doesn't always come in the same housing. Sometimes we expect evil to always be in a in a certain type of a housing, it's not, that's not the way it comes. Sometimes it comes as an angel of light. And some Christians fall for it. You shouldn't be doing it. You see, because you can tell the spirit of a thing. That's why you shouldn't fall for it. Deception should never take you. Because down in your spirit, there's a knower. And that knower says, I don't know why what you're saying is wrong, but I know it is. Because down in my nowhere, my nowhere is saying, uh-uh, <laughs> it's not right. I can tell sometimes just what's going on just in seeing somebody. They got the wrong spirit on them. And then I hear them open their mouth. Yep, they got the wrong spirit on them. <laughs> I don't care what they, what did they carry a Bible or not. <laughs> they got a wrong spirit on them. <laughs> oh, I, I remember saying this to you before. But um, uh, Brother Keith was one. He, he uh, helped me out with this. And he said this one time. The first time he said it, I said, what? And then I thought, you know what? That's right. Because down in my spirit, I said, that's right. I don't know. I didn't understand it yet. But down in my spirit, I said, that's right. I said, yeah, that is right. <laughs> I figured, eventually, my brain caught up with it. But he said, it's more important, more important that you be of the right spirit than of the right doctrine. And I thought about that for a minute because to me, doctrine's huge. And I thought, you know what? 
I have not always had my doctrine right. There's still some things God's changing me. See, Steve, you see that? Yeah, you were wrong. I sure was. That's because that's what it says. <laughs> Throughout the years, I've changed some things because I got more light. But you see, my spirit was still right. Because my spirit was right, my doctrine could be changed. But if you're the wrong spirit, you won't change them. So I enjoyed that. He, he sure. I know I shared it with you before, but share it again. But here we go. He he gets out of the boat and he gets greeted by a certain man. It said he stepped out of the la- on the land. There met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in the house, but in the tombs. Now, if you had somebody in your neighborhood who ran around with no clothes on. How many of you would not like this? How many of you might be uncomfortable? Didn't have a house. Lived in the tombs. And he's naked. This might be disturbing for some people. Mark chapter 5. This is the other passage. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately... This is one of Mark's favorite words. This word immediately is used 80 times in the Bible. 40 by Mark. 40 of them. And Mark is one of the shorter Gospels. He uses this word for... He loves this word. And he, and what it means is, as soon as Jesus steps foot on the land, here he is. He wants you to understand this. Jesus barely gets out of the boat and this man comes to greet him. No one else came to greet him. Just this man. There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Did you notice that that one is singular? But before it said he had demons. You cannot tell by looking at somebody whether they have one or multiple demons. They may appear that they have one, but they may have multiple ones. This man had, at this point, multiple who was dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. So I guess they eventually gave up. Because they had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Now, you gotta, whenever you read these, these stories from the Word of God, you've gotta put yourself into the, into the mix. Put yourself into the picture. You've got a man in your neighborhood running around naked. And this disturbs people. Now, that's not all that he's doing, but that's all we've uncovered so far. He's running around naked in your neighborhood and you have been disturbed so much that you went out there with a whole gang of people and you overpowered him and put him in chains. And then after you let him go, he looks at you and he takes those chains and he snaps them. You are so disturbed by this guy that you get the people together again with bigger chains. And you go after him again. How many of you would go after a guy who just broke chains? How many of you just saying, you know what, we're just going to leave this guy alone? That's, a, that's enough of that. But look at verse 4 again. Because he had what? Often. That means it's more than one time. That means it's more than two times. That means it's more than three times. That means they came and they bound him and he broke them and they said, you know what, this is not worth the, uh, the aggravation and he got worse. Right. 
And so they said, we got to do something about this. So they go out there again, they get bigger chains. And he breaks those. And they said, this is not worth it. We're going to let him go for a little while. And he does, and he gets worse. And they get to the point, he says, we can't take it. we got to do something. And so all the townspeople are out there. Now, this is how I picture it. All the wives are with their husbands at nighttime, and they say, you better do something about that guy. Because this is not something that women take on. This is something for the guys to take on. I saw something the other day. I said, women are always trying to do stuff better than men. They ought to quit and do the stuff that men can't do. You see, there's a whole lot of things men can't do. This is one of the ones we can do. This is one of the ones we should do. And so, uh, if women would stop trying to do the things that men can do and do the things that women can do and men can't, we'd be a whole lot better off. <laughs> women aren't weaker or less. They're just differently talented. And do the things that they're talented with. And men, I mean, I, not always, but most men, if they know their wife will do it better, go to it. Go to it. Yeah, we're okay with that. But they had often bound him with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. So not only is he breaking all this stuff up, running around naked, he's crying out with a loud voice. So you kept hearing them all night long. What do you think is going on in the house when, you know, people are trying to sleep and this guy is screaming out and crying? Oh, this is so nice. <laughs> love, I love living in this area. I mean, where else can you go and hear this kind of thing? No, they're not happy. And so this is why after a while they say, we, we cannot keep going on with this. We've got to we got to do something about it. So this is not a problem that has been going on for a little bit of time. This has been going on for a long period of time. And more than likely, he started out with some demons and then eventually got more and then got more and then got more as times were going on. That's why his problem was getting worse and worse and he's getting stronger and stronger. Now, they just had a great victory with the windstorm. How many of you have ever had a great victory in your life and you're thinking, man... Got through that. And you just kind of want to relax for just a little bit. And you step off the boat and bam! Here he comes. Except Jesus knew this was coming. Because he was sent on a mission. The only thing he does when he gets in the boat, he says, let us go to the other side. As he goes to the other side, he casts the demons out of this man, gets back in the boat and goes. He was on an assignment to go. So he saw, he only does what he saw the Father do. And he says what he saw the Father say. That's it. So he saw the Father, go over it and cast these things out. And so he said, well, that's what we're going to do. What are you going to do today? He doesn't announce what we're going to do. We're going to go to the other side. Amen. And the devil knew what he's doing. He tried to stop him with a big windstorm that no one saw coming and was bad enough it scared fishermen. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to scare me on the water. I'm not on the water. I can probably get scared pretty easy. These are fishermen. These guys seen... Storms come up on this lake. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. So he saw him a ways away. I know who that is. I know who that is. And he came and he worshipped him. 
Now, do you think the demons came to worship him? This is the man coming to worship him. So the man comes, he sees him, he says, oh, it's Jesus. Maybe I can get some relief here. And he runs over and he worships him. Man with demons. See, they don't have you, they don't have control all the time. Now, if you ever ask the question, what do demons do to people? They, they cause a number of things. I wrote them down in your outline. One thing is they cause, suffer, cause suffering or torment. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. So what happens is, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but there's different classes in the satanic kingdom. Fallen angels are one. But fallen angels, just like real angels, they have a body. But demonic spirits are not fallen angels. They are a different class, different thing. They are called in one place in Scripture, disembodied spirits. They once had a body. They don't have that body anymore. So they are spirits that are floating around, basically. Now, why are they not in heaven or hell? Why are these spirits allowed to to wander? Why are they going around? Because these spirits are not of the race of Adam. They are of a different race. We're not going to spend time on it here. I've spent time on it before. If anybody's questioning about it, have some questions about it, wants me to go through it again, be happy to go through it again. The Word of God constantly talks about a race of people here before Adam and Eve that was judged. And those people, Satan, when he fell, brought in the judgment. It says when he fell, he brought the nations into judgment. There were no nations here when he comes here with Adam. And he had already fallen. The nations he brought into judgment were here on this earth before. And that world was destroyed by the flood of Genesis chapter 1. When we get the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, it is not the creation of the heavens and earth. The heavens and earth is created in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is creation. When he says, let there be light, he did not create the sun. The sun was already there. Now, I could spend time with you and prove to you from the word of God, not from science, but science would back it up. Prove to you from the word of God that every bit of that is true. But then we wouldn't cover what we're supposed to be covering here today. We've gone over it a number of times. Most of you folks are probably familiar with it. But uh, two words for Hebrew for create. When he says, let there be light, he uses neither. And there's a reason for that. That's not creation. God did not create the world in six days. I get mad every time I hear these theologians and these preachers out there saying God created it in six days. He did not. Then you got scientists who say, no, the earth is billions of years old. Of course it is. <laughs> it's no problem that it is. Because God did not create it on one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days. He didn't even create it in six days as days being periods. He created as He created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. However He did it, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Except that we know that He spoke the Word. And the worlds came into being. That's how powerful our God is. Now, we weren't here. There's no scientists around today who was here when the worlds were created. Because again, it's billions of years old. So no one has any idea what happened. We just theorize. But as soon as you start to theorize and get God out of it, you're messed up. 
All right, so that's the first thing. They cause people suffering. When they are disembodied spirits, they go, there's a period of, there's a, they're going through torment because they have no body. And so what happens is when they possess someone, they take over someone, they take their suffering, their torment, and they pass it on to the person. And they take that person's peace upon themselves. The swap that goes on. That's why they look to possess people. And that's why people that are possessed have that turmoil that goes on. Because it's a swap that goes on. That's the first thing the Word of God tells us. Second thing, we saw he got stronger. People that are demon-possessed generally have uh, have strength outside of themselves. Man, woman, doesn't matter. They become stronger than they should be. Third, shameless. They have no shame in their words and the things they do. As you can see, this one, he's running around naked. They're sinful. They become even more sinful than they were before. And here in this story, we see they even commit to self-inflicted injuries. They hurt themselves. They don't want to, but they hurt themselves. There's some people that even theorize that this man may have tried to hurt himself when he was in his right mind because he didn't like the torment that was going on and he's trying to end it. That's possible. But he wouldn't have been doing any of that if he wasn't possessed. In other people, in the Word of God, we see that even epileptic seizures and fortune telling. And I gave you some references for that if you want to look them up. But some people became fortune tellers because of the demon spirit that was on them. And some had seizures because of the demon spirit. Now, don't go out here thinking that every time you see a seizure, it's a demon spirit. It can be, but you've got to get the, what God tells you about on that thing. Don't just uh, jump to a conclusion. All right, let's go on here. Mark chapter 5, verse 7. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Now, actually, in the Greek, it says he kept saying to the man, Come out of him, come out of him, come out of him. Jesus didn't just say, Come out of him, and the guy just responded. He came up to the man and he said, Come out of him. And the man didn't respond. The demon spirit didn't respond. Come out of him. The demon spirit didn't respond. So here's the story what you got. This man in his right mind sees Jesus afar off. And he comes running and he worships him. And Jesus sees him come running. This is the man he sent here for. He begins to say, Come out of him. And the demon spirit began to take over and said these words that we just heard. I know who you are. I know who you are. What have I, what have you to do with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you that you do not torment me. For he had, for he said to him, or actually the Greek is past tense, he had been saying to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. If you go over to Luke chapter 8, verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him, for it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. People don't normally like to live in the wilderness or among the tombs, but the demon spirits drove him out there. I don't know if I wrote this in your outline or not, but it's a progressive imperfect is what the tense is in the Greek, which means he had been saying to him. He, Jesus said it repeatedly. Didn't just say it one time. How many times is repeatedly? I don't know. It's probably three or more. Could have been ten. We don't know. He kept saying to him, come out of him. 
Come out of him. Didn't try, try and do anything different. He just said, come out of him. When he does, the demon spirit was crying out. Now he says this, this part here, have you come to torment us? In both passages put it, have you come to torment us? But Matthew gives us one extra little thing here. Have you, and, and by the way, Matthew's gospel has two men in the, in the tombs. Now if you wonder why does Matthew say there's two and the other ones say there's one? Because one was the spokesman and so the Luke and Mark deal with the spokesman. But apparently there was a submissive one there, our second one, and Matthew said that the two were there. He, he mentions the two were there, that were there. But one is the one who's doing the, the speaking. In Matthew chapter 8 verse 29, and suddenly they cried out, they cried out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So they were both saying the same thing. Have you come to torment us before the time? Now this, this tells us some things of what was going on. This actually, this verse helps open up this entire passage to understand what's going on. Because you see what happens when the, in the demon realm and in the fallen angel realm is that sometimes they had stepped over the bounds of what they were allowed to do. And when they stepped over the bounds, sometimes they were judged for it prematurely. Because they have a what we call a lease on this, this is man's term, not the Bible's term for it, but it helps us understand a lease on this earth until the, the time that God says has appointed, and when that time is up, then that lease will be be removed. But until then, they have that right to be here, and so they're here. Now they don't have the right to do things that we we have the right to tell them not to do. We have to make sure we stay within what the Word of God tells us we can do. Have you come to torment us before the time? There's a time that is set. And he says, have you come to do this? Well, why would they ask this question if it had not already been done? If no one had ever been tormented before the time, why would they ask this question? Because they happen to know. I'll get to that here in just a minute. But I want you to to see this. I'll follow what you're having your outline in case you have to write anything down. You're going to see this about... when When this demon comes out, he comes out and he shouts... When he's out there in the tombs and he's doing, he's shouting. Everyone, everyone in the town knows this man is demon possessed. There are two things that will help you signify it's the kingdom of, of darkness. Two things that the kingdom of darkness always does. When you see it, you know that the inspiration does not come from God. It comes from Satan. It comes from the kingdom of darkness. These are two simple things that if you can get this down, you will never see God operate in certain ways. Here's the first one. The kingdom of God, the darkness does these two, does things these two ways. First off, they do things in secret. The kingdom of darkness will do things in secret. Don't let anybody know about this. You go out there and you do this thing, but don't tell anybody. Keep it a secret. No one else needs to know. And so we're doing things, we're going about, we're, we're, we're not exposing it, we're keeping it hidden. Jesus didn't hide things. He sometimes did things in private, but when people came, he didn't hide what they were doing. They did things in secret. Here's the second one. Blatantly, openly. Blatantly open. Usually, this is after exposure. 
after the, what was being done in secret is exposed, they usually go blatant openly. They're just in your face. In your face about it. You know, we talk about the news media all the time. We're way back in the water crunk. How many remember water crunkite? Some people to this day still think the man was, una, was, uh, was objective in the news. That man was as biased as they come. But you see, they did it secretly. You can go back to some Walter Cronkite newses, news reports and you could see, holy cow, did he say that? Did, did he say it like, what? really? Covered up stuff. Man, did he cover up stuff. I still, my, my blood boils over this man and the things he did. But see, people trusted him. Whatever he said, they just believed it. That was way back in the beginning when the media thought, we can just tell you stuff and you'll just believe it. Then all of a sudden stuff came to light and people began to find out these guys are lying to us. And now they're right in your face about it. Now they're blatant to the point that they just alter videos to the way they want it to be. They alter audio the way they want it to be. They change the story up. They don't tell you this part of the story. They'll tell you this part of the story. They try and present it so that you won't see. And then they think, well, no one's ever going to check up. Check on. They're blatant about it. They just come right out and do it. This is the kingdom of Satan. God doesn't operate that way. God even says beforehand, Jesus tells the plan. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be dead three days. I'm going to come back. He told him. There's nothing secret about that. He told him this is what's going on. Back in the Old Testament, when they had to plan to get Ahab killed because of all the evil he was doing. There's a prophet of God comes into the presence. Micaiah is his name. Micaiah, what's going to happen? Oh, you're going to go and be successful. Oh, Micaiah, come on. Tell me, just, just tell me what the Lord says. And he said, I saw all of heaven, the host of heaven, stand before, stand before God. And God said, who will deceive Ahab into going into battle? And one said this and another said that. But one stood up and said, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And the Lord said, you will succeed. Go. And he went. And so then Zedekiah came up and he took his, his hand and he slapped him. He said, which way did the Spirit of God go when he left me to go to you? And Micaiah said, you'll see if he returns alive, I am a false prophet. God exposed everything he was going to do. And still, they went out and did it. See, God does not have to cover up what it is he's doing. He'll tell you right off the bat, you're going to die. <laughs> That's it. You're going to die. Because he knows, I can tell you the plans, it's still going to happen. <laughs> he's not afraid of the truth ever coming out. But Satan is. Whenever you start seeing people that are covering up things, Hiding things. You know who's under the inspiration. You don't have to wonder. You can tell right there. Because those two things are unique about Satan and his kingdom. Let's go back over to his, uh, this verse here. And, sudden, and suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So there was a time that was set, but they're coming a little bit early. There are some places in the Word of God, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but there are angels who did some things that they should not have done. They stepped out. And um, what verse are we on? Keep that, keep that verse in mind. All right, we're going to keep on going here. I want you to see one more thing. 
Let's go over to Luke chapter 8 and verse 30. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons have entered him. Now, a legion in, uh, in Roman time, that's about 6,000 troops. So you're looking at roughly 6,000 demons that had entered into this, this person. Now, it's not beyond the bounds for multiple spirits to possess a person. Jesus even used as an, as an example, the one we read for you. One, pers- one demon possessed a person. He was cast out. He went out and found seven others. So those seven plus one, now you got eight. But eight is not 6,000. So after, you know, one went out, maybe he got seven. And uh, maybe they went out and got some others. And some others said, hey, we understand there's a party going on here. You got some room? And they said, come on. And so then they came on in. And then some more came along. And man, we have no place to go. Do you mind if we... Yeah, come on. We got room. And so they kept adding and kept adding and kept adding and more and more kept going. And they didn't stop this. And so when Jesus comes along, they're wondering, did we go over the boundaries set up? No one had ever put a whole legion of demons into one person before. Did we overstep the boundaries? Have you come to torment us before the time? Are you going to lock us up for what we did? That's basically what they're asking. Because this is a legion. What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. In Mark chapter 5, he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, he did not ask the name of the demon so he could cast it out. There's people out there today that, that well, you got to get the name of the demon. And then when you get the name of the demon, then you can use that name to cast the thing out. First off, the demon could lie to you. And if you need to have a name of a demon in order to cast it out, why in the world would the demon tell you what his name was? <laughs> you do not need to know the name of the demon to cast it out. That's be ridiculous. That's, that's just not what you need. But there's people who teach that whole doctrine based on this one verse. Don't ever base the doctrine off one verse. You've got to have more. He said, what is your name? He said, Legion, for we are many. By Jesus asking that name, we understand some things about this story we wouldn't have understood otherwise. So he asked the name. But he, he still doesn't use the name to cast it out. And there's no name of a demon. Jesus didn't cite 6,000 names. He didn't say legion in the name of Jesus. Come out. But uh, this should open up some things for you. If a person, one person, could hold 6,000 or thereabouts, demon spirits... How much of the Holy Spirit can you hold? How much untapped potential of Holy Spirit power can you, can you tap into? If one person could tap into 6,000 or thereabouts demon spirits all in one body. Now they passed on their torment. The Spirit of God passes on peace. That's a good thing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with taking on more peace. Say, we've undersold our spiritual capacity. I don't, I don't know what I can hold. You can hold more than what you've got. Hold lot more. Verse 10 of Mark chapter 5. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now he put it in there out of, out of the country. Luke puts it this way. Luke 8.31 And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. 
Well, the abyss will be out of the country. But the abyss is a special special spot. You will never see the abyss. You won't see it. Now, if you're born again, you're going to see heaven. Glory to God. If you're not born again, you're going to see hell and then you're going to see the lake of fire, but you will not see the abyss. The abyss is a special spot to lock up spiritual beings. Fallen angels. It will hold Satan for a time. And uh, it apparently holds some demon spirits. During the book of Revelation, you're going to see that some demon spirits and some fallen angels were locked up and then were released during the tribulation period. Well, apparently they were allowed to allowed to go then. They were real evil. They did some terrible things. And God says, all right, I'm going to lock you up. But now, during this time, I'm going to let you go. And they're going to do some of those things that they had done before. In, um, uh, pull, pull up on the, the scripture. I think it's uh, Jude, Jude verse 6. Jude in verse 6. You'll see this in the, in the word. Jude tells us some things about some angels and some stuff that they had done. They were apparently doing some things that they weren't supposed to do. And angels who did not keep their proper domain. Let me, let me rephrase that for you. Angels who didn't keep their borders. Didn't stay within the realm where they're supposed to be. But left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now what this is speaking about is that back in the Old Testament that there were angels, fallen angels, who came down and visited the daughters of men and had babies. They produced giants. This corrupted the, the, the foundation, the, this corrupted mankind and it would prevent Jesus Christ from being able to save the world because it'd be polluted blood. It wouldn't be all all human or all uh, people from Adam. There would be this foreign blood mixed in. That was the purpose of why they came. To try and pervert the seed. And so when the first flood came, Noah was perfect in his generations is what the word says. It means he had no giant blood in him. And so when God wiped out the face of the earth, he wiped out all that foreign blood because he had to preserve the seed. Well, then Satan sent out in a second batch. And the second batch produced giants again. These giants are the ones that Goliath came from. Saul was commissioned to get rid of the ones that still remain, but Israel was actually commissioned when they went to the land of Canaan, wipe out those giants. Kill them all. Women, children, you got to get rid of that giant blood. So I'm just that foreign blood. Get rid of it. They didn't do it. They didn't get rid of all of them. They got rid of a lot, but not all of them. So Saul came along and he got rid of some more. And then David came along. By the time David came along, there's only uh, five of them. <clears throat> five of them left. Goliath <clears throat> and his four brothers. That was it. And David made sure the rest of those were taken care of. Goliath was the first. After that, the blood was was uh, was pure. Now God knows where the the foreign blood was, the bad blood was. He knew how to take care of it, and so He did that because He had made a promise: I won't destroy the world by a flood again. So we had to get rid of that blood another way. But those two groups of fallen angels that had come, God locked them up. He locked up the first group. Satan may have had a hard time getting the second group, but he got a second group along. And you wonder, well, how did they, how was, how was that able to come about? Have you ever wondered that? How were the daughters of, of men able to ha- have babies with these uh, fallen angels? Do you ever wonder that? And why were these poor women, you know, 
Why were they judged for all this, this sort of stuff? Well, it's simple. They had already gotten into worshiping foreign idols. Whatever was involved in the, the woman coming to the, to the um, fallen angels, it was part of a worship service. It was part of those foreign, foreign idols. Why do you think mythology has so much of the worship involved in the gods coming down with the daughters and the, and the men? Because this is how it, how it came about. So they brought in this foreign worship service. In the worship service, the women went in willingly. We're going to put you in here and this, this uh, spiritual being is going to come down and you're going to have a baby. And they went in there willingly. So they were not innocent in this. They could have said no. Maybe they were, I don't know if they were forced to or anything like that, but anyway, that's, this is what they had, had gone on and went on t- two different times. So he says in verse uh, 31 of Luke 8, he begged them, he would not go into the abyss. Don't cast us out. We still want to be able to go around here and possess people because we go into the abyss. We can't possess anyone and torment is, is all we have. Again, Matthew 8, 29. Have you come here to torment us before the time? Before the time set. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there. This is Luke eight thirty two. A herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Now this is the only time in the Word of God that we have that uh, uh, demon spirits in, in infected uh, animals. You may think your cat is possessed at home. You may think that. And I may not argue with you. <laughs> but it's not scriptural. Only the swine. We, what about the serpent? Well, it says that, the, uh, that Satan came in the form of a serpent. And again, Satan has a body. He doesn't have to possess the, the serpent. But he came in the form of a serpent. But here we have that these, these swine were, um, were infested with, with uh, these demon spirits. It would seem... And this is supposition because this is all based on one section. There's several scriptures, but it's all in the same same story. It would seem that they were not allowed to enter unless Jesus gave them permission. Why did Jesus give them permission? Why are you raising swine in Israel? What are what is Israel, what are the Israelites not supposed to eat? Pork. Pork. Are they not supposed to eat it because they're Israelites? Because God said no. Because God said no. So if we're gonna, if you've got some people there that are raising the swine, we can make money on this, selling them to Romans and other people. Are you not selling them something that God said don't eat? So just because you are not engaged in the sin, but you are facilitating people to do so, <laughs> you're just as guilty. <laughs> you, you might hear some people who say, you know, they work in a, in a bar and they, they serve uh, alcohol to minors. Well, I don't drink myself. You may, you know, see some, maybe a drug dealer. Well, I don't use myself. Yeah, but you're providing. So if you want to know how God looks on it, yeah, go, go ahead and take those swine out. So they went over the swine, but the swine had a whole lot more sense. They said, well, no, we're not taking this on. And, uh, and they went over the, the cliffs. They said, it's better for us to die than it is to have these things in us. So don't think that the demon spirits came upon the swine to drive them over the edge. Because why in the world would the demon spirits want to be in the swine if they're only going to be in there for 30 seconds? 
<laughs> no sense in that. The the demon spirits were hoping to live in the swine. And the swine said, uh-uh. And they flew the coop. Now Luke says that there are many swine feeding on the mountain. Verse 33, Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. In Mark chapter 5, verse 11, Now a large herd of swine was all feeding there near the mountains. So Luke says many. Mark says large. So all the demons begged him. Can I can you imagine this? You first off, you have one demon being the spokesperson. And he says, my name is Legion because we're many. And now all of a sudden, all of them. How eerie is that? <laughs> How many of you that would just send you? That'd be it. Man, I was here to cast this thing out, but that is that is freaky. That is weird. I'm out of here. <laughs> Jesus doesn't go anywhere. So all the demons begged him, saying, I cannot even imagine what it would be like to hear somewhere around 6,000 voices coming out of one person begging him. Don't, don't, let us, don't let us go into the abyss. Let us go into the pigs. And at once Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 of the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So there was enough demon spirits there at least for one per. But probably more than that. Fortunately, he gave us a number. There was 2,000 swine. 2,000. Herd of 2,000 swine. Now, pigs or swine, they're a symbol of gross uncleanliness. That's what they symbolize for the, for the people in the Word. Verse 14 of Mark 5. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city in the country and they went out to see what, had, what it was that had happened. Now this is one thing that all three of them are agreed on that the ones who saw it are the ones who fed them. If you are one who feeds them, you are not the owner. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The owner's not out there feeding them. The prodigal son was out there feeding them. The owner was some, he's outside the house. He doesn't take care of the swine. So you've got probably a Jewish person who owns the swine. I'm not going to be soiled and taking care of these things and make myself unclean <laughs> so I can stay legal. But I'm going to sell them for other people. You see why Jesus said, yeah, go ahead and take them out. Go ahead and go take care of those guys. Verse, uh, verse 15 of Mark. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed. So the people in the town, the people who, the ones who fed the swine go into town, they tell them what's going on. So all the people from the town, they come over here and they see the man who was demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. Now think about this. Here's this guy. You have tried to bound him several times. Given up, got harassed at home, take care of this problem. You are the man of the house, take care of this problem. You got enough men in this city, you ought to be able to take care of one demon possessed man, or two maybe. Take care of this problem. And they go out there and they take care of it. He shatters the thing again. And so finally, we got somebody who's taking care of the problem. 
And the man is sitting down in his right mind. Now, if you came upon that, you got to put yourself in this situation. You've been in this town having this guy scream all night long, all day, all night, just scream, 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 running around naked. Now we find out there's even two of them. Two people running around naked, crying out, hollering, loud voice, and with the ability to have multiple voices coming out of their body. You put him in chains and he breaks them. What are you telling your children? Stay away from that area. If you see him run, get away from him. He could hurt you. Get away from him. You're living in fear of these one or two people all this time because they could do harm to your kids. What if he just walked into the house when the husband's at work? What if the husband's home? It don't matter. This guy can take on chains. It takes multiple people to subdue him. You're living in fear. You hear a noise. Do you think he's, do you think that's him knocking on our door? This is what's going on all the time. You live in this town. This is what's happening. You live in this fear all the time. And then Jesus comes and the first thing he does is he takes care of your problem. How many of you, your response would be, thank you. I am so grateful. Thank you. Can you can I can I make dinner for you? Can we bless you somehow? I mean, this is great. We are, how did you do this? What did you do? How many of you would have questions like this? Look what they do. They don't have questions. They find him sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They were already afraid of the man. If you were already afraid of the man, you had a certain level of a fear all the time. And Jesus, the man who took care of this, now you're more afraid. Your fear level just went up. How does it go up? And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. So apparently there's some people around who witnessed what had gone on. You should have seen it. Jesus came up to him. This man greeted As soon as he gets off the boat, this man is there, down on his knees. And Jesus starts saying, Come out of him. Come out of him. Come out of him. And they have this conversation. This is some of the things we were saying. And then all these voices came out of him one time. Oh, this is the freakiest thing I've ever seen. Never saw it. Heard anything like that. Oh, I will remember that to the day I die. And then all of a sudden they, they came out of him and you could just see his face. It just changed. But then over there on the mountain, 2,000 herd, they just took off running. And they just ran right into the water. I never saw a herd of swine run into the water like that. It was amazing. Those who saw it told him how it happened what had been, and who had been demon-possessed and the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. So before they're afraid, now they're saying, will you please leave? Go! Get out of here! We don't want you! You finally have somebody who could take care of this problem and you say, please go! Get out! Leave us! Luke 8, 35 puts it this way. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom 
the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they also who had seen it told him by what means he had been demon-possessed was healed. And the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. The whole multitude. All of them. All of them. They don't have a couple. It's not a faction. The whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. So Jesus gets on the boat, goes through this nasty storm, almost kills everybody on the, on the boat to get to this place, gets off, takes care of this man and the demon, demon spirits that are in him. They all say, leave! Get away! <laughs> he gets back in the boat and goes. First time they've seen this man in his right mind. And they said, we can't handle you, please leave. We've grown accustomed to the man with the legion of demons. We're used to that. We're used to the screaming at nighttime. We're used to the naked man running around. We're used to the, the multiple voices coming out of him. We're used to all the, the destruction and the violence that he would do. We're, we're used to that. But you, we don't know what to do with you. You need to go. Now, isn't it interesting that they asked Jesus, the righteous man, to go? And what's Jesus do? He departs. How many times do you think they asked the, the demon-possessed man to go? He never doesn't go. You see, when a man of God, man or woman, they come up to a place, and they're not welcome, you know what they do? They go. You don't want the, you don't want the truth? Fine. You go over here. But, the people that are of the kingdom of darkness, you don't want this darkness? We don't care. We're giving it to you anyway. Spirit of darkness gets in your schools and you say, we don't want this in our schools. What do they say? To add. We're staying. Spirit of darkness gets into your government. You say, we don't want it. What do they say? To bad. We're staying. But you get a man of God into the schools, into government, and a whole bunch of people all rise up and they say, we don't want you. Guess what? I thank God for the, when I see Christian people get together and they tell people in government, tell people in the schools, we're glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. When I see law enforcement people up on the road, I go out to them and say, I'm glad you're here. I thank you for all the things you did. I don't know what they've done. I don't care. They're here to keep peace. When I see them, I just go out to them. Thank you. Really appreciate you being here. Because I want them to know I want them here. Because you know, they got people in their face they're telling them all the time, get out of here. We don't want you. The unrighteous ones, they're going to stick around. That's just a side note. I saw that in there. I want to make sure you all saw it. Worldly people can get used to satanic disruptions. You know that? They can get used to it. But you come along with something with righteousness. You come along with something with the Spirit of God. Now they are unsettled. Mm-mm. We can't. We we don't like this. Luke chapter eight, verse thirty-eight. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. 
Isn't that interesting? Everybody else is begging him to leave. This man who had the demon spirits says, can I stay with you? If you're going to go, can I stay with you? But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house until what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Now, can you imagine this? I, I cannot wait to get to heaven. This is one of those stories I want to hear because it's not in the Word of God. I want to hear this story. Can you imagine the impact that this man must have had if God took his son on a boat in the sea through which a storm was coming up on to try and wipe him out to keep him from doing this, to keep him from getting to the other side. He gets to the other side and casts this demon, these demons off. Cast them out. And then is asked to leave and he leaves. He goes through all that just to get this one pen. What does God, what did God have in store for this one man? Jesus, I need you to take the day. I need you to go over here. I need you to take care of this guy. Because he's got some work to do. And those demons are keeping him from it. And when Jesus said, you can't go with me. I need you to go and to proclaim all that the Lord has done because they won't hear it from me. But they'll hear it from you. And he says, I can do that. And all he had to do is say, just tell them what, God, what I've done for you. Just tell them what God has done for you. That's it. You don't got to be some great Bible teacher. Just tell them what has happened. And he can go out and do you want to hear what God did for me? Man, this is what my life was like. You saw me from a distance. You heard the cries, but this is what was going on. This is what was happening inside. And then Jesus came. <laughs> That's all he had to tell him. This is what Jesus did for me. And he did it. And he went his way. He didn't, Jesus didn't have to beg him. Didn't have to order him. Didn't have to tell him over and over again. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. And so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. Now this is when he returned. He got into the boat and he went back to the other side. When he gets back over to the other side, people are saying, Oh, it's Jesus. What a difference from the other side of the lake. Over here, get away. Leave. Jesus gets off the boat and the only one to greet him is a demon-possessed man. And once he takes care of that problem, everybody else who comes, get out. Leave. And as soon as Jesus gets in the boat, goes over to the other side, he gets off the boat. What do we hear? When Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him. Now Matthew says he returned to his own city. His own city is Capernaum. Go to Luke chapter 4 and find that out. Luke chapter 4, Capernaum. Jesus moved out of the city where his parents were. He bought a house. He had a house. He had a house in the same town Peter did. They may have been neighbors. He may have said, Peter, I like you. I wouldn't mind living near you. Any, any places for sale around, around there? Jesus bought a house. I could prove it to you in the Word of God. He bought a house. But we're not here to do that. So he left the place where he was welcome to go, where his wel- people welcomed him. He left that place to go to a place if people didn't want him to accomplish what God said, get back in the boat and go back to a place where he was welcome again. Do you know one of the people who welcomed Jesus when he got back off the boat? You all know him real well. His name was Jairus. 
Remember him? Master, my daughter lies at the point of death. Will you come and heal her? And on his way to Jerry's house, the woman with the issue of blood met him. All that happened after he got off the boat. What a day! Huh? I mean, for a lot of people, that's a year's worth of ministry right there. Stop the storm. Cast out legions of demons. Get kicked out of the sound by the, by the crowd. Head on back. We've got Jarius, the woman with the issue of blood. Man. That is quite a time. That's not even talking what happened before he got into the boat. So what happens when evil steps over the line in your life? Because evil has stepped over the line in your life. Do you know that evil is in places in your life he's not supposed to be? These demons seem to wonder if they are overstepped bounds. Maybe they weren't permitted to have this many people in one. We don't, we don't know. Nobody's done this before and now we're being confronted by Jesus and maybe we'll get cast into the abyss so we don't know. Other disobedient demons have done that as well. See, just as human enemies of Israel invaded their borders, you're going to find that the enemy is going to try and invade your borders. Now, generally, when they invaded Israel's borders, because Israel messed up, they did some stuff they weren't supposed to do, and they opened that up. And that's generally how the enemy is going to get into your borders, too. He's looking for an opportunity. Adam was supposed to guard the garden. He had one job. He had one job. Guard the garden. He didn't do it. And Satan got in. You're supposed to put on your spiritual armor and defend what God has given you. Because God knows He's coming after it. Apparently, just because there are borders set up doesn't mean that the enemy listens to them all the time. Just like your neighbor may come up and take up residence in your shed with some of his stuff. Now, if you tell your neighbor, says, look, I got some extra room. If you want to put that in there, go ahead. That's one thing. But if you didn't do it, and he, and he did that, and maybe uh, you didn't say anything about it, and after he takes up residence there... Uh, you go out to work, you come home one day, and there he is with his feet up watching your TV. <laughs> Eating your dinners out of your freezer. Well, you didn't say anything before. And if you don't say anything now. See, if that happened in your life, you'd certainly say something. In fact, if you came in and saw somebody sitting in your house... You hadn't given them a key, gave them a permission. You might go back out and call, call the police. Somebody in my house. He needs to leave. Just because darkness has taken something doesn't mean he gets to keep it. You're within your boundaries. Go back there and get it. You see, if, you, if you've got somebody who's inside your house not supposed to be, nobody faults you for going in there and taking care of that. Getting them out. They're not supposed to be in your house. This is your house. Police officers could come. Why'd you beat him up? He's in my house. You supposed to be in his house? No, sir. Why are you in here? Felt like it. How'd you get in? Broken. Say, it's not going to go well for them. And the police officer is going to say, "You're within your rights. This is your house." Well, see, there's a, there's a whole lot of Christians out there and we're just kind of comfortable letting the enemy come in. 
sickness and disease has taken our precedence, we've gotten used to it. Even though the Word of God says we can be free from that. Just because God says you can be free doesn't mean you're going to be. The enemy's going to try and step over the bounds. Can I take this? Just like little kids. Don't little kids try and do that? Little kids, they try and do it all the time. They like to mess with you. We had a, we had a Thursday night practice. And when I'm here on Thursday night practice, I'm usually back there on the soundboard taking care of some stuff and, and I work on a, on a number of different things. Just, just more in a support role for them. They do all the hard work. I <laughs> do the easy stuff. And my wife comes in and she'll, she'll watch the, the kids and, and entertain them. But once in a while she's not able to make it. And so, um, uh, I kind of do a combined thing, so I'm back over there trying to do the stuff that we need to do until that's, uh, well, okay, I think I got them set up, and so we go on back there. And one of the, one day I was back there doing that, and uh, uh, you know, mom says, uh, Alyssa, she goes, I know some of you call her Allie. I don't. She's my daughter. I call her what I want. I'm the only one who calls her Alyssa, but she's always listening to me. So if you hear me say Alyssa, just know I'm talking about my daughter. Everybody else, you all think of something else. It's all right. You can call her whatever you want to. Don't you make me. <laughs> so, Alyssa said to me, she says, uh, we have to get some homework done. So we're back there and we're doing the homework. You know, we're, we're working on the stuff and I should be able to handle this. It's first grade homework. <laughs> should be able to do it. <laughs> so we're back there working on it. And um, you know, Chenzo's back there with us too and we're trying to you know, do some things. We have to get the homework done. That's the first thing. And so um, he grabs one of her homework papers and he wrinkles it up. Pulled it from him and straightened it out. You know, she got a little bit upset, her homework being all messed up. I said, all right, we got to straighten out. I said, Chenzo, don't, don't mess with her homework. Don't, don't touch her homework. She has to get her homework done. Don't you know he looked at me? Never took his eyes off me. He looked straight at me. And with his finger, he went up in the air and went right down onto the homework. Now, I don't know about you. You handle it the way you want to. But I don't need to be, I don't need to be telling somebody a second time when they're going to be that deliberate. No, I didn't spank them. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to revert to anything like that. I'm not the parents. I'm the, I'm the grandparent. So I just wonder, I didn't say anything. I just went over to him. I picked his little self off that little chair. <laughs> I moved him three feet. Three feet. He's still in the same room with us. Moved him three feet and sat him down. and said, you will stay there until I tell you to get up. And he cried like I had just beat his butt bottom. <laughs> and, and we went right back. I'm not angry with him. I'm not yelling at him. We're not saying anything. And no threats. Just stay there. And he stayed there. He did not move off that chair. He stayed right there. <laughs> and we went on and we did our homework. I don't think it was more than a minute or two. That that was done. I went over to him. I said, are you ready to come back? He goes, uh-huh. And so he came back. We never had another issue with it. But just understand, the enemy's going to try. And if you allow him, <laughs> if you allow him to, to mess with it, he's going to see what else he can mess with. Oh, you mean you'll take that sickness and disease? Oh, God. <laughs> How about this aching pain? All right, if I have to. We're taking stuff. We're letting the enemy have Rome inside. And not just in sickness and disease and stuff like this. You have sometimes allowed unrest to come into your body. When God says, 
My peace I give to you. You ought to be having his peace. Instead, I got unrest from the enemy. Why am I letting that reside in me? You're letting ill will towards another Christian reside inside of you. What's the word of God say? How should you, how should you deal with other Christians? How should you, you should love them, right? What happens? The devil says, see that Christian over there? They did something nasty to you. They're thinking nasty things about you. They are. I can see it. I feel in my spirit. It's coming up my spirit. I feel it in my spirit. God is revealing this to me. And I accept that ill feeling towards this other believer. I've just allowed the enemy to take up residence in my, in my heart. No. See, when the enemy comes to me and he tries to say, so-and-so is, is thinking, so-and-so is doing, you know what I do? Refuse it. Get out of here. I'm not taking that. I go on and I keep walking in love to him. I'm not giving him residence in my body, in my mind. When he gives me worry, I'm not going to let it take up residence in my, in my mind. You don't have to do it. But just know this. The enemy may know that these boundaries are there, but if you don't enforce them, just like we got things going on in our borders, north and south, apparently. And if we don't guard them, if we don't protect them, guess what? We're going to keep coming. But you enforce them. And then, oh, they mean business. Can't just walk in there. What happened if you just walked into Mexico? How is it we all know what will happen if you just walk into Mexico, but we expect something different to happen if they walk into here? I don't understand that. What happens if you just walk into the, to the, to Russia? What happens? You just walk in. What happens? You just walk into China. We may never hear of you again. How about North Korea? You just walk into North Korea. We've already seen that happen. What happens then? But somehow we're supposed to put up with it. Uh-uh. Don't be doing it. The enemy is going to try and step over the borders that are established. But all you got to do is know the borders. I have a border right here that says, your worry stays on that side. I'm on this side. Your worry stays over there. Your unrest stays over there. Your hatred for certain people stays over there. I don't take it on. It's not mine. Don't be bringing that here. Because I know the borders. I know what belongs on my side. And I know that doesn't belong. That's the enemies. Don't give in to it. Because just like little kids do to you. you know, my kids did it to me. Your kids did it to you. When we were kids, we did it to our parents. How many can we confess? When you're, when you're little, you did it to your parents. How much does mom really mean? Don't do this. Does mom really mean only one cookie? I don't think so. <laughs> Wait do I flash these cute, this cute smile at her. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be rolling in cookies. We're always trying to push these things. Brother, uh, 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 I just, just forgot his name. I'll, I'll probably remember too long. Uh, he was teaching some things on, on raising children. He says, children are like security guards. You ever hear that? Children are like security guards. They always test the doors to see if they're open. They don't want them to be open, but they always test them to be open. What happens to a security guard if he finds a door to open that's not supposed to be? 
he goes in to check it out. Children are like security guards. I love that example. I've never forgotten that example. James Dobson, that's who does. Taught that. Taught that one. Yeah. Just know the enemy's always looking around. Is this door locked? Is this door locked? And if he finds one that's not locked, guess what he's going to do? Oh, let's go in and see. He's going to step right in on your life. No, you do not have to put up with it. Same way that you have borders, so does he. But if you don't enforce them, there are some things God will enforce. And when a fallen angel messes up, that's for him to do. But if Satan's kingdom tries to put darkness into your life, that's for you. You need to take care of it. Cast that darkness out. Get rid of that thing. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the borders that you have set up around us. Just as you talked about in the Psalms and other places, there is a hedge about us. But if we don't guard and protect that hedge, we don't guard and protect that border. If we don't know the things that are supposed to be on our side and the things that are not, we will allow wrong things to be coming in. And we allow the devil's things to come into our thoughts. We don't have to wonder why we have some of His fruits. But Father, You work to expose these things and You care a great deal about us. This story is just one of such incredible concern that our God would see this man who's under such turmoil and even if He caused it, if He brought it about, whatever it might be, He reached out one of those times when he had a sane mind and he said, Lord, help me. So you contacted Jesus and said, Jesus, I have an assignment for you. But you got to go across the lake. You're going to find one and this is what you need to do. And Jesus wasn't bothered when the townspeople didn't thank him, weren't grateful, because what he was there to do was to take care of the one who was in turmoil. And the one that he went to take care of was so grateful. He made such an impact after what Jesus had done. Sometimes, Father, you have sent us into places to help the one. And we got discouraged because we saw the multitude asking us to leave. We didn't keep our eyes on the one that you sent us to to reach. That's how much you care for us, though. I thank you for it. Oh, I thank you for that care and that great love that you have. The enemy may have reached into our lives and taken some of our borders. He may have inhabited some of the places that we're supposed to inhabit. Where the praises of God were to inhabit the parts in our life Instead, we have things from darkness. But I thank you, Father, that you help us to drive out the darkness. To restore the borders. To establish the things of God. We give you the praise and the glory for it. With every head bowed, no one looking around, how many of you would raise your hand here right now and just say, yeah, there's some places the devil, darkness, has gotten into my life. All right. Father, you saw the people that are 
hands raised up. I thank you for the enlightenment you give them. Not only those areas that they see now, but even some areas that they don't see. And that you help them to accomplish through the word what chains and fetters never could. Because it was the word of Jesus that took care of a problem that all the strength and all the iron and all the ropes couldn't touch. I thank you for the power of those words. And we will speak these words to these areas of our life and the darkness will flee. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Marguerite. Good morning, everyone. And I greet you, uh, those that are here and also those that are watching by way of the Internet. We're so grateful always to be in the house of God. And we thank God for the teaching that he gives us. Because as we listen to the teaching, it directs us and directs us to the word. And we get that enlightenment um, that we can use what we've heard to have victory in our lives. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, this morning, uh, we have praise reports. We have a praise report from uh, Sister Susan. She said that um, there were a few weeks ago that uh, a neighbor was asking, she was asking for prayer for a neighbor. And this neighbor uh, gave a good report that the lump that she had on her neck is gone. Uh, we had prayed for her, and Susan says, about two weeks ago. So we're so grateful. This is one of the things that um, had come to mind that uh, sometimes we ask God for different things. And when we receive it, there's so many things going on in our lives. And we don't do it on purpose, but sometimes we forget. But it is so wonderful to go back and say, God, I thank you. It, whether it's a large thing or a small thing, we go back and we say, Lord, I thank you for that. And as we do that, we practice that gratitude and we'll remember those things that uh, God has done for us. So we're just um, rejoicing with her for that. And Sister Ethel is saying that she thanks God for uh, supplying his, his unending supply of wisdom. Uh, no matter the... Uh, the situation or the circumstance, uh, he has the wisdom for how we should handle it. And um, just thinking about that, if we know that there are things that come up in our lives that we don't know how to handle in and of ourselves, but we know that we can get the wisdom of God on any situation, and he is going to give us the right way to handle it. So I'm grateful for that because many times, we just we can be at a loss in and of ourselves, but if we look to God, He said that He has made Christ has been made unto us wisdom, and so we can depend on that. I'm grateful for that. Um, sister Ento uh, and Rose, um, her sister-in-law, they're thanking um, God for His divine protection. Last Sunday, uh, Ento and Rose were coming back from New Jersey, where a car almost hit them from behind um, and they thank God for his protection and uh, the car brushed up against the back bumper oh my goodness that is close um, but they were not impacted at all 
by this incident and they get, just give glory to God. Uh, Rose and um, Sister Ento were okay. Both of them were okay. And the car was okay. Um, so, and the guy that hit them was very nice and polite and he cared about their well-being. That doesn't always happen either. So we're grateful. And again, um, this is protection. And the protection and little things, large things, we're just grateful to God. And as we practice that gratitude, we're able to see, oh, God did this over here. He did this over here. And we are really, we start to be in tune to that gratitude. So we're thankful to God. We thank God for the teaching because the teaching is so vital. Uh, in the world that we live in, um, Satan would love for us to stay in ignorance. But as we listen to the word and then we go back and, and delve into that, we don't have to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So we're grateful for that. I want to just call your attention to uh, uh, this coming Friday. It's our praise prayer and praise night. We'll start at 730 with worship and praise, and that will be followed by a time of prayer. We look forward to a time with all of you and um, hope that you can join in. So as you leave today, just greet one another, and um, I pray that you have a wonderful week and the situations that will come up in each of our lives that we know that we have uh, the solution. The Word of God is our solution that we can go to. So God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day and a wonderful week.